0: Welcome everybody to the Amanda Fox official podcast. Today's story is called The Storm. It was out of necessity that Marcus became my stalker. For me it had nothing to do with attraction. I burned for him incessantly like an old fire spitting embers late into the night. My body called to him of her own free will. I am heated and ready for you my Lord. I wanted him more than anything. And it was obvious that he wanted me too, though he tried hard not to let it show. Whenever we were together, however, his gaze was hungry and alert, a wolf staring down a plump, unsuspecting chicken. I could almost see the look of terror in his eyes, the whites showing just a little too much. His nostrils flared, taking in unnecessary amounts of oxygen, and occasionally a flash of pink would poke out through his pursed lips, his tongue a sucker for anticipation. Sometimes he would let a low and ominous growl escape from his throat. In reality, our lives could not include each other, at least not in the regular way. Both of us already had families and it would have been smart to leave well enough alone. My heart, however, was a fool, a grinning clown who could only see the length of his limbs. I had no fear, no rationality when it came to needing this man. I wasn't strong enough to let him go, so I created space for him in my imagination. He was always there in some alternate reality, loving me. Marcus, on the other hand, was a man who prided himself on self-control, and I knew it was torture for him to want me. It was wearing him down, and he partially blamed me for his falling. You know mermaids are real, he said to me one day, his gaze riveted to my lips. It was his Caribbean upbringing coming out. He thought himself a helpless sailor, perishing at the hands of a beguiling siren, True or not, his dissolution was apparent. When he spoke to me, he rattled, his words broken and jumbled. The more we were together, the more he fell apart. So as any good man would, he tried to stay away. He rationed me out like the last scraps of food on a starving man's plate. He would only call every so often, all courteous and cool. He visited even less, a man of steel who was melting inside. But in his own secret world, Marcus stayed close, ominous phone calls, mysterious cars parked outside my house late at night, strangers lingering in places I frequented. He watched, he listened, he kept track of where I was going and with whom. Oh, I knew what he was doing, but I wasn't about to stop him. I liked it, counted on it. I even found myself encouraging him, allowing him to learn things that he couldn't rightfully ask. And so a relationship developed, however dysfunctional, when it shouldn't have, in the in-betweens of our lives, in his inability to follow his own rules, and in my impotence in dissuading him. In our hearts, beyond a casual friendship, the rumpled and stained sheets of a lover's bed pilled from bodies rubbing against them night after night, I accepted the stocking as a main part of it. It was six months before we realized that our boiling pot would eventually erupt. There needed to be some kind of release for all the tension and anticipation, and it happened when the weather took a turn for the worse, When the heavens rocked the earth with frustration and need. It was as if a storm created a portal, an open door to freedom where we could actually taste the corporeal other, not the ghosts that we had grown so accustomed to seeing. After our first encounter, when I knew what was coming on those days of heavy rain, I prayed that I wasn't about to be struck down by lightning for my sin. At the same time, I thanked God for the tumultuousness that brought him to me. So that morning, when I looked out, I focused on only one thing, the sky. It hung in the distance, a heavy blanket of what seemed like smoke waiting to settle down and smother the city. When it rains so, people, they get tired, he would always say. I was never quite sure what he meant by this. Did he mean that on those days he was tired of pretending not to want me, or was he just tired of stalking me? Either way, I knew he would come. He always did. The early part of the day slithered past taking its own sweet time taunting me with the expectation of pleasure that i could hardly wait to receive and after what seemed like an eternity the afternoon with its heavy noon hour heat pushed out the morning the storm was finally rolling in a lumbering grizzly bear scavenging for food on the outskirts of town thrust from its habitat swinging its giant head from side to side growling warnings to onlookers Take shelter, humans, don't come close, and don't take me for granted. One thing I never did was take those days for granted. I held on to them like I had plucked the most precious pearl from the shallows of a warm sea. Those were the days I lived for and tried to bank to memory, even the parts before we were actually together. I savored the anticipation even as it drove me insane. After laboring through a morning of work, I headed out onto the street, and I noticed that moisture had swathed the necks of the people milling around me, their opened collars dark with sweat. It was a day when it seemed like the population of a town tripled, the closeness of the air piling bodies on top of one another. I thought about my hands stroking Marcus's bare chest, about how he too would be tacky and warm. I imagined dipping my fingertips into the waist of his jeans, looking for the premature encouragement that he seemed to spill so easily for me. Cruising through the crowd, my brain on autopilot, I thought about how his tongue would taste, of how many times we would make love. Trudging up the steep rise to my bus stop, I methodically counted each step to my erotic destiny. Once I'd reached the shiny silver pole of the stop, I placed my bags by my feet and looked out over the town, A river divided it in half, a crooked vein through its center. From the hill, I could see the other side rising up, an unfolding of many lives, rooftops and chimneys, high-flying apartments, blocks of strip malls. At last, my bus arrived and slid into the curb. As it did, the wind suddenly turned savage, whipping up my skirt and twisting the fabric around my waist. My white cotton underwear peeked out at the woman next to me and my mind shot six months back in time. I remember the gift I had made for Marcus to mark our third year together as lovers. It had been a cold afternoon in December when I'd prepared it. Lying on my bed, light snowflakes landing on the window, I fantasized about the two of us together, this time with a singular purpose. I spent hours in bed, lazily stroking myself in a man-sized white cotton t-shirt, glazing my torso and my limbs with the juice that flowed endlessly from my body at just the thought of him. The shirt I knew wasn't a gift I could ever just give to him. So saying, I left it on the floor of the laundromat where I did my washing. I left it lying between the machines, a little lost dolly waiting for its rightful owner to claim it. I knew that Marcus would get it, and I knew that he would smell me. He always went in there after I left, undoubtedly looking for stuff just like that. He never did say anything about it, but then he never would. Finally boarding the bus... I sat near the back and immediately stuck to the burgundy vinyl seat, smelling the tangy hope that rose up from between my legs. A cat's eye crack on the cushion gave birth to some dirty, moth-hewn fluff that bothered the inside of my thigh, and as the bus bumped its way through town, I could hear his voice calling out to me, I've waited a long time to touch you, are you ready for me? That 20-minute ride felt like an hour as I repeatedly peeled my sweaty limbs off the seat, anticipating our sweet sojourn. A block from my house, I dinged the bell and the bus chugged to a halt. Stumbling toward the open doors, I thanked the driver and stepped out, my foot hitting the pavement just as a violent crack of thunder jolted the sky. Startled, I tripped and fell, spilling my bag onto the sidewalk, the bus pulling away angrily. Gathering myself together, I then stood stunned, trying to will my heart back to a regular rhythm. The clouds of deep purple that had hovered in the distance only an hour before now loomed directly overhead, a bruised heaven, a sign to me of a long and constant battering of the soul. I could hear its rumbling closing in. Rain was imminent, the swelling belly of Mother Nature ready to deliver a torrent onto her children, and my chest contracted painfully. Usually I had things under control. I knew that what I wanted was unattainable, but now my need was getting the best of me. Whenever my utopian world became reality, I was a mess. As I turned up the walkway to my house, big plops of water began spotting the grey pavement. I sped up, hoping to avoid getting drenched, but it was no use. The rain came down harder as the virulent sky opened up. It meant that he was close and my months of waiting would be over within hours. Yet I almost didn't want it to happen because then the waiting would have to start all over again. Just as I wiped wet strands of hair out of my eyes to unlock the front door, my cell phone rang. My hands began to shake, and I fumbled a moment to answer. Hello? Where are you? It had been two months since I'd spoken to him directly. Just getting home, and you? I knew what was coming next. You want to meet? Within five minutes, he was parked in front of my house. Get in. Can't let the storm get you. The trip to the motel was silent. It always was. He drove like a man on a mission while I sat in the passenger seat, a hostage, trying not to notice the hard muscles of his thighs flexing as he pumped the clutch in and out. Upon arrival, we went straight to our room and there, safe from the weather and safe to be together in the way we needed to be, all the hurrying stopped. Marcus tossed his keys onto the bed and I let my bag drop, We stood facing each other and our hands casually mingled until we couldn't stand it any longer once our fingers linked our torsos followed and our lips met we breathed into each other cautiously at first then our mouths picked up speed runaways downhill tasting and teasing wicked tongues twining like snakes coiling together to find warmth as our bodies warmed my nipples punching through my blouse to get to his chest and the bulge in his pants thrumming against my thighs things went from lustful to violent. Ripping at each other's clothes, he would strip me of my bottoms and I'd unzip his fly to release him. Inevitably, he would turn me around and push me down onto the best available surface. That day, it was a desk. He wanted me lying flat, legs straight, and squeezed together, as if he was trying to prevent himself from entering. As if. Climbing on top, a cowboy on his horse, one foot balancing on the upholstered chair next to us, he declared my body open for business. Driving in, he maneuvered himself in and out of my heated pool, drowning himself, sending himself to hell for a sin that he couldn't help but commit. He continued in this position for another minute or two, and then, in an instant, pulled my hips up for easier access. At some point, he always gave up trying to make things difficult, the time he waited, depending on how guilty he felt that day, I guess. But guilt be damned, he eventually surrendered, ready to tear at my body, leaving me a used carcass, my soul he was going to take. He did it every time. According to him, we only ever made love, but this first time was never that. The savagery was inevitable after our long wait. You want me to keep it up all day? His laugh was so wicked that I wondered if it was the devil himself entering me. Closing my eyes, I took the assault, visualizing the storm outside thrashing and shaking, whipping loose garbage into many cyclones, mimicking our bodies. Did the storm bring on our loving, or was it the other way around? When the desk proved too much of a challenge, Marcus picked me up by the hips, careful to keep his body notched inside mine, and he transferred me to the bed, where he could continue more comfortably. There he worked a dark sorcery, twisting and churning at my insides, my head cracking the frame. I needed to get some control. I needed to focus for that first release as I was afraid I might throw up if I didn't. Marcus, I I can't. Hooking my feet around his strong legs, I tried to stop the momentum, the tremors building in my groin. Slapping my bottom hard, Marcus then answered by digging deeper into my jellied flesh with his nails. I whimpered, begging reprieve. You gotta take it. It was obvious he couldn't stop and with that he came at me like a freight train, as I helplessly slammed back to meet him. In the end I was amazed, as always, for as he rode me into oblivion he was again a man in control. Perhaps I was lost in my own bliss, but he seemed so quiet, his euphoric song so soft that I barely heard him. His thrusts had slowed and he wound into me with a sobbing rhythm, replenishing me with his seed, plunging over and over until his warmth trickled down the inside of my thigh. Finally spent, he collapsed in a heap on my back, relaxing for the first time in months. Later that night, as I stood in my kitchen doing dishes and watching the leftover rain drizzle down the windowpane, I saw a car parked diagonally across the street. It idled for what must have been 20 minutes, never picking anyone up or dropping anyone off. I knew that Marcus would be touching his fingers to his mustache, smelling what was left of me and preparing himself to endure the next few months. The end.